أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Safina Society podcast We are joined today once again by Dr. Shadi Ilyas and myself Mu'in and we are also joined today by uh, Brother Mas'ud uh, and today Mashhud I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry Mashhud and today we're going to be talking about consumption food and all else rather over consumption and today the one thing that i've been thinking about is that natural food that poor people used to eat in the past was priced you know insanely um it is currently now priced you know in, in insanely wild i mean i I, li- I work in philly and if you try to find anything that's remotely natural it's ridiculously overpriced while processed you know garbage food is quite cheap you know very very cheap and it's said you know that a man from ghana once went to a french restaurant and he asked for orange juice and when he got squeezed orange juice he said no no i want the orange juice in the can i can get the squeezed (laughs) orange juice in the village that's funny right so i want to talk about not just food consumption maybe we can start there but the idea of consumption and where does islam you know draw the boundary lines in terms of consumption all right so should i start off all right uh, <laughs> 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 right. so uh the temptations in general the two temptations are all the various temptations that people have are for a wisdom great wisdom that uh allah ta'ala never gave anyone a didn't give us human beings a temptation of any sort except that it was uh for for the reason of continuing our existence so we have shahua of food to continue our individual existence we have shahua of sex for the continuation of the species we have shahua for money right to to be able to do things we have shahua money is a really motivator for people to do what they wouldn't otherwise have done right so more money you'll work more uh power to make responsibility have a type of uh glimmer around it because nobody would want a responsibility if it didn't have some kind of initial temptation to it right so um power is a little bit of a glimmer or a little cloak on the sense of responsibility for others so all these things are really for the sake of our survival and for the sake of our existence and continuing our existence but the issue uh is the tempering them and of course most people don't temper them i mean anger is a type of in if you think about it it's a, it is a passion for people people love some people love to be angry right and we have a movement today of youth that they love to be angry unfortunately right um but the idea of being angry is an idea that uh you need to change things and it sort of numbs and clouds your thought about consequences so you don't think about consequences when you're angry but sometimes you can't think about consequences you need to take an action right away in order to to get something done and then forget the if everyone thought about consequences nothing would ever get fixed right these are all desires and shahwas that people have imam al-ghazali said the shahwa of the eye is beauty of the ear is sounds of the scent there's all these shahwats to continue and to improve our life but the issue is in islam is um, tempering them and i'll just close with one thing if you think about the most materialistic nations today according to where designer companies 
and I'm not I'm talking about these crazy designer brands like uh, Dolce & Gabbana and all these Louis Vuitton and all that stuff Russia and China the biggest markets for stupid events mm-hmm. right the, they'll spend like money that Americans won't spend and think about that they just went through about a century or so of being told about equality and 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 you know the whole communist ethic not just equality no class and and materialism and these excesses are bad right and they actually went to such an extreme the communists that look where their people bounce back right so it's now uh not their people like all of them but it's now you know very noticeable yeah the uh consumption in those countries i find something very interesting about consumption and the idea of food comes to mind when so I have a lot of family that recently came over uh, from India, and the one thing that I've noticed is they were relatively poor you know, back in India, and they didn't have access to the type of food that we have access to here. And one thing that I've noticed is their diet, in particular, was very bland and and you know uh, very a very staple type of diet. They ate almost the same thing, you know, three four times a week, and that was completely normal to them. It is it was not normal for them to eat meat. Uh, you know, more than, you know, like once a week, right? Uh, it's just it's just not something that they had readily available or it was expensive and, and it wasn't just something they did. And so when they came over here, having an excess amount of food was very shocking to them. And another thing is here, especially in, in modern countries like America, in, uh, sorry, developed countries like America, uh, one thing that you see is you have, an ac- you have access to the best cuisine from all over the world, right? And you have the ability to pay for it. So you're not just getting, you know, your, you know, vicinity's best uh, biryani, for example. You know, you're, you could go to restaurants that are highly rated by, you know, thousands of people and, and go get the best, you know, whatever dish. And having the access to all of that, it actually lessens the, the value of food. Yeah as well it's something that i noticed and and one thing they mentioned to me is you know when it came to eid right like eid al-adha that was the one time where they ate a lot of meat and they didn't get to see meat the rest of the year as much right and so and as readily available and so eid al-adha is actually in a, a holiday where they enjoyed meat and it's not like that here at all right it's not it's not special to eat meat i mean i can't i mean i can only speak for myself but that's how i feel well i remember you know having meat in uh, naid and not knowing what's the big deal mm. like what is okay what is the what is unique about aid we're gonna have lamb but we just had steak yesterday steak is superior to lamb right <laughs> so it's like what is the what is i never understood understood how that's a big deal but honestly you have to starve yourself if you want to enjoy food if you like food you actually need to starve yourself so that you know when you do actually eat food you know you can it has some value yeah so um for the past kind of week i've been doing this kind of like thing with my diet where i i only eat uh one meal a day which is just <coughs> dinner right um and it's it's been like basically <laughs> it's basically just like you're fasting but you can only drink water yeah um so, one meal a day is perfect yeah yeah so so but like i was one that so I was one that like um, really just went into eating a lot because you know going to the gym and going all these places and uh, really trying to like lift and get bigger, I guess, right? Um, and which is like especially in the Muslim community with the brothers, it's very very prominent. We're just getting big, getting the gains, right? Getting these uh, meat literally it's every day. 
Um, and specifically with that, I was eating four to five meals a day, um, which which were like smaller kind of things, but they did amount to like 23, 2400 calories. And it, it definitely put on mass, yeah. right? Um, but the goal was like, then it just kept it hitting in my head. Like, you know, it's just one meal a day would be so like, because every desire, right, it, it's linked to, like, if you're not going to feel one desire, you're going to feel another desire, yeah. right? So if I'm not going to be, if I'm going to be full, other desires will come into play. Or if I'm going to starve myself, I'm going to be focused on that. So I'm going to be trying to compensate for that. I actually think that most people uh, don't have this, uh, uh, at least in our part, eating isn't the main issue. Hmm. There's There are other drives and other obsessions. Career, for example, is a form of consumption. There's no hmm. doubt about it people that care so much about their career Mm -hmm. like wealth is like even people are even there is stuff even beyond wealth right today it's not even wealth it's more like perception and especially amongst the younger crowd that grew up with the kardashians it's perception is even greater to them than wealth i think and i think they use perception like the kardashians use perceptions as a means to wealth right so creating those like uh, most people would probably have want to have more likes than money yeah. There are some youth, I'm sure, 100%. I'm not like picking on youth, but the people who grew up in that Kardashian uh, time, right? They would rather have likes than money. Well, Sheikh, this has been happening for a long time. Um, not even just this, this younger generation. You know, it's been a few generations now where people, for what you're saying, for perception, for acceptance in uh, whatever their social group is, will forego forget about wealth will forego even breaking even they'll go into a severe debt, debt yeah. just to have something that people will look at them and say oh well i approve of what you have or at least you're on my level yeah. you know they're keeping up with the joneses thing <coughs> this has been going on for a long time and the ratio of debt to achieve that has just been increasing and social media and stuff like that definitely plays a big part because people live their whole lives for what they can post on instagram and this idea of keeping up with the joneses is what things used to be now it's keeping up with people that you see on tv yeah, yeah so the joneses you don't even know them anymore right. right it's keeping up with the kardashians or keeping up with you know summer or the other uh celebrity that's on tv all the time we don't even know the joneses we now know the kardashians like it's keeping up with whoever's on tv i mean that's the name of their show you know that what is it keeping, keeping up, up with, with the, the kardashians Car- oh really i didn't yeah. even know that was the name of it yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't know why they're famous <laughs> it's still that's still that show is still running they're good at marketing yeah because they're a hollywood family like, spin-offs and all of that stuff they were born like the girls grew up in la so i think the dad was already in hollywood he was an entertainment lawyer oh really that 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 explains everything then yeah and the when it comes to consumption it's also just stuff right i, I think you mentioned it in a previous podcast but before people could count on their fingers how much stuff they actually owned right yeah. uh, okay you know i have you know three articles of clothing i have you know two of this and two of that and that's pretty much it you know i have like 15 20 things in exi- like that's it yeah. i i don't think any of us now could even forget count on on no oh, yeah. we couldn't you count even. you don't you couldn't count in general yeah. how many things you own yeah right when they say the blessings of allah ta'ala cannot be counted most people's possessions literally today cannot be counted that's ridiculous like how many things things are in this house it's unbelievable it's unreal especially when you have like if you want to if you want if you have a friend let's say that bothers you that annoys you right you know those types of people that annoy you but they're they're stuck with them in life with they have a daughter you should be celebrating you go out there every time you visit them and you buy them little bracelet kit little jewelry <laughs> kit 
right? In two days, the house will be littered with little beads, little <laughs> wires, little things like this. Because plastic stuff is cheap. <laughs> because of a, a, a industrial movement, this stuff is just so cheap, right? It's meaningless. And I think it ruins childhoods even because I had like a, a, a box of toys, a box. And then in there was a closet, there were some games, board games, and there was a box of toys. That toys had cars, He-Mans, and Transformers, and uh, G.I. Joes. Yeah. Right? That was that box, believe it or not, my dad actually still has it in the closet. Because that was a that was my box of toys. Right. Right? There was a period of time where things got ridiculous. That's when toys started getting cheaper. But there was that initial box of toys when you got a toy that was you got a toy like on eight. Birthday, I eat, yeah. yeah. So uh, you had it. You you could. I can remember. You know those toys, and I sort of actually actually pass them down, right? But today, a kid gets a toy. That toy is like forgotten immediately before the next you know day passes, next week passes, right? And they're like sometimes really neat toys, like a bottle top. You you pull the thing, and the top goes around. You know, uh, whatever uh, tops, whatever. Yeah, top. Blade blade. Yeah, blade blades and all that <laughs> stuff. And those types of things. He just started playing, stopped playing with them last week. <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah, the youngest here. <laughs> right. So the, 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 these types of toys, are they would have been amused a, a kid in our generation for the whole weekend, every weekend, for like a year or two. But nowadays it's meaningless. So and that's not just with toys. I mean, that's with anything from media to art to books to podcasts like take take our podcast for example yeah. right i know the way i listen to podcasts it, it, it's just one after the other right yeah. the, the you, you get one and then the next one comes along then you get one and the next one comes along you don't even remember what was said in in the last you know like few podcasts that's why i actually don't uh personally attend as a speaker conferences because i feel like my the time there is spent is is wasted let's say i give a great 10 minute 15 20 minute talk let's say hypothetically that's going to be drowned out by 10 other equally excellent talks mm -hmm. like there comes a point that these events they're not going to invite some kind of person who's not going to bore anyone so everyone's going to be good right right so in fact there you know like you, you, you your good statement is going to be drowned out by 10 other good statements so the idea of the drown out it's so pronounced these days yeah and and that's why i i forget where i heard okay. this this tip it's that repetition is the key to, to memory. And, and it's the key to really anything, right? Yeah. And so even when it comes to uh, like a lecture or a talk, a, a slightly mediocre talk is better in a private audience that you've actually taken notes in and, you, and you've heard a few times rather than, you know, somewhere else where you, you hear this amazing talk so uh, over and over again. I have this book at home it's called the toothpaste millionaire uh i, I got it when i was like uh maybe in like sixth or seventh grade and i still have it on my shelf and i've read the i I've, i remember when i was younger i used to read it you know every few weeks i would i would be going, be going through the book it's only like 50 pages or something that's about this kid who opens up a toothpaste factory and he becomes an entrepreneur and whatnot um but I remember reading this book over and over and over again because I didn't have that many access to that many books as a kid. I mean, uh, and, and so was, I was just 
going through that book and I'm, I still remember it to this day. And it's something that's like, when it comes to entrepreneurial yeah. work, like it's something that, that inspires me to this day. Like, I mean, I've read a bunch of self-help books on, you know, how to start your own business and become your own, you know, entrepreneur and all that stuff. None of it has impacted me, but this yeah. stupid book called <laughs> The Toothpaste Millionaire, which is probably very poor, mediocre writing anyway, written by an unknown author that nobody knows about. And it's like 50 pages. That's the one that, you know that what, stays with me. When people were studying in Syria and uh, there was came a time where everyone's going to Syria yeah. someone asked Imam Zaid what's, this, what's the best book to study he said the one you finish <laughs> 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 these people study so many different books and they get this ride the wave so there's a new sheikh okay let's ride that wave there's an, everyone's now studying Muntik let's ride that wave all of a sudden everyone's studying Hadith let's ride that wave it's just the one you finish it's and that's very where, true and that's where you, less is more I, the, one of the thrills I get every once in a while is going through the house with a garbage bag and just dumping, 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 right? And if it's good, I'll take it out to the certain neighborhoods where they don't have anything, right? And they'll take anything. Literally, they are so miskeen that one time one of the things that we dumped out of the masjid, the shoes that had been left there, there was one shoe which was a left chapel. <laughs> the right one wasn't even found. It was a left Someone took it. Just the left chapel. SubhanAllah. I mean, so there are people not so far from us that are so miskeen, and we just have so much. So, to, the idea of the empty room, I just crave the empty room, right? So I just take, 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 put it in the garbage bag. It's all go and no mercy, vicious, yeah, no. vicious, yeah. no mercy, no sentimental value. Sentimental value, picture album, that's it. And sentimental value, some people are almost their consumption is that. Oh, this is the pencil that someone gave me. Oh, this is the bracelet that grandma gave me. Grandma doesn't even remember giving it to you. She probably received it from someone else and was just giving it back. It was a regift. It was a regift, right? <laughs> uh, this is the shirt that so and so gave. This, it's all uh, just empty stuff, and it's just meaningless. I have to say that I might, I might, I might have a controversial take in the middle of this at some point. Maybe. When do you not? <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, I agree with you. Empty space, an open room with nothing in it. This is the perfect environment yeah. for a normal human being, right? You don't need a lot of artifacts on the walls. You don't need a lot of distractions. You don't need a lot of different patterns and colors. What uh -huh. you need is a space that reflects, you know, it gives you the ability to just think and yeah. be with Allah. Um, I knew a brother really well who, before he got married, he had a one-bedroom apartment. In that apartment, he had a futon, so his couch and his bed, a milk crate with like a cloth over it That's to make it look like a table. Okay. That he had a little TV on, no cable, just antenna, and just to get the local news or whatever. Uh, a, a kitchen table with two chairs. Few plates, some a couple pots to cook. That's it. And that's literally everything. And oh, and like a like a like a radio to play CDs or whatever. That's everything that he had in the yeah. house. This is a perfect environment. It's beautiful. I and I I actually love the idea of open space. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Whereas clutter and the Egyptians have this habit. That I think they took from the French Baroque style. Just right. overdoing it. Giant furniture. Yet giant furniture that's bigger than the human himself, right? There's more space the vo in terms of volume. The couch takes up more space than the actual human being. Yeah. Beds that are huge. I saw a bed. Wallahi, I saw a bed last week yeah. with a, with a stair. A with, ladder. With two steps, like a step thing. It's ridiculous. And how about if there's a corner, 
there's got to be a little vase. <laughs> and and on, look at all these gifts. And everything has to be overly ornate. Oh, Nothing ex- simple. Excess, and that's what people don't realize. That's the Baroque style. That's what they did. Every single inch has to have something on it. And uh, when you have dinners or friends come over, they're going to bring you a gift. I want to tell my friends, don't bring me gifts. You want to bring me a gift? Bring me things that I actually need. This type of light bulb, right? <laughs> so I don't have to replace them. Batteries, <laughs> right? I'd much rather you give me that. Batteries, uh, basic stuff. Don't give me, like, look, it's in the back here. A plate. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Okay, like a vase, right? I hate Mikasa. The whole company should be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one time one of our good, we invited some good friends over for dinner. Yeah, they came. They brought like three pounds of chicken. Oh, that's like, a great gift for your freezer. That's here. a great gift. That's like actually, fresh, good chicken. That's a good. That's a good. It was gift, the best right? gift anybody's ever yeah. brought for dinner. That's a great. Don't gift. bring me a pie. Don't bring. Yeah. Don't, I already cooked. You don't have to add to the dinner. <laughs> you gave me raw chicken that I can put yeah. in the freezer that's and have chicken for for a few weeks. Sense. It's such a great that's gift. A way more sense. I'm actually gonna. That's it's a great gift. Great gift. It's a great gift. And it's a very useful gift too. Yeah. So, see, one of the things that you're talking about and one of the things that... So, here's the controversial sake. I think that men... If men were men, this wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's not controversial at all. Like, like not on this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, this is not something that comes to the male psyche naturally. Which is what? To want to, like, have a bunch of stuff oh, and okay, collect yeah. things. And I'm not saying that there's not men that, are like, that, are, that aren't like that. There are. But, like, that brother I'm telling you about... Everything changed when he got married because he got married. So now he had to have more furniture, obviously. Yeah. You have to have more things. And you have to have a better TV. And you have to get a bigger place to live in. Yeah. And you have to... This is... If, if, if left to our own devices, men would live in a, in a simple 4x4, four four, right? With white walls. Yeah. And like one thing to sit on. Well, one thing that uh, I'll take... Well, you know, the sunnah of the Prophet of space, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll make a trade-off. Space for stuff. Yeah. Right? Stuff... It's gone. And listen, here's the thing. Uh, what I do, here's a trick for the for people out there. Anyone out there, could be moms, could be dads, could be husbands. Take the thing, put it in the trunk of your car. Wait six weeks, wait two days, wait three days. I guarantee you no one's going to remember it. And at that point, two months pass, you didn't remember it. Tough luck. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's over. You didn't remember it, right? So if, if, if the value of it is so low to you that it's been missing off the shelf for two months. And you never thought about it. So I, I think a lot of it, you know, not to psychoanalyze <laughs> people, but I think a lot of it comes from anxiety yeah. and fear of future not having. Mm. Right? So like <laughs> the other day, this just happened the other day. My wife, we were going through a box to throw some stuff away that was in the box and there was a thing of shoelaces. Yeah. And my wife was like, Do you wanna do you want do you wanna keep these? And I said, No. Number one. I've never. I don't remember the last time that I changed shoelaces in a shoe. When's the last time you needed shoelaces? It's never happened in yeah. my adult life. Yeah. But fine. Suppose that weird emergency happens when I need shoelaces. Number one, those probably won't match. Number two, I won't remember where they're at. That's true. <laughs> so like, just throw them out. Yeah. There's no way that I'm keeping those shoelaces just in case I ever need a, a yeah. shoelace for one of my shoes. Yeah. So where does it come into though? Like when you purchase something, and then. Like, it has, like, the monetary value, right? Like, how do you just throw it out? I don't throw it out. I take it to the Walgreens. Uh-huh. And across the... Well, it's not the Walgreens. It's uh, the, the Walgreens is there. But it's, area, the, it's yeah. the park. Mm-hmm. You know that park in New Brunswick? Yeah, we know. <laughs> okay. And there's Sam's Chicken across. It's a beautiful park, actually. Mm-hmm. They take care of it very well. And there's also... There's homes. There's different streets. There's a lot... It's a really busy area. Uh-huh. 
I go. I don't throw the stuff out. I put it in the garbage bag. I put it in the trunk. Once that trunk fills up or the garbage bag fills up, I drive in there. Twenty four hours a day, there are human beings there. Mm-hmm. Twenty four hours, unless it's raining or snowing. I take it. They now know, and this is the beauty of it. This is really what I wanted. I want them to associate our community of Muslims with benefit, mm-hmm. right? And that's just how the Prophet would want it. It's not some kind of cheap Dawa trick. That's just how the Prophet would want. Uh, Muslims to be like we should be associated with people benefiting yeah if you're in a community the people should benefit from your Absolutely. presence they should be pre- they, if, if we disappeared you know there are some communities Muslims disappeared nobody would even blink an eye no one would miss any no one would miss them the liquor store might close yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so we, uh, we go out there and we uh, we put the stuff that was a dark joke. Yeah. <laughs> this is re- yeah. serious yeah. my yeah. brother-in-law lives in Brooklyn it's yeah. legit yeah when Muslims come in, the liquor store closes the, out. The right? Muslims own the liquor stores. Oh, no, no, he the, meant he meant the opposite oh, way. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, like yeah. the liquor store. Would the Muslims close. disappear. There's no more liquor store you in the neighborhood. Kidding. Somebody I else has to come in and open one now. I didn't realize that. Well, yeah. that's no good. No, <laughs> that's horrible. I thought you meant like the if too many Muslims come in, then the liquor store. Would no, that would be a benefit. Yeah. In England, they already did a study. I read that if the population of Muslims reaches 17 percent, the pubs suffer because <laughs> people yeah. don't go to the pubs. Yeah, because they don't. Shaw go to stays that way. That's because they got the hardcore folks over there yeah, right in England. Have those, yeah <laughs> who do things. so but the thing is you go out there to the greens you put it out there uh and now we're collecting from people like we got boxes our runs slowly will take up more and more time because we just got so much stuff to unload right and it's a free giveaway and it's just the disparity of haves and have nots we know that it's going to be there in the yeah. world but this is how it should end up it should be constant bleeding from those whom allah blessed to those whom allah's tested so in, uh, another another uh, addition to that, and one of the things that I think philosophically can help you in, enact that is something that I've I read from uh, one of those uh, minimalism, you know, getting rid of your stuff gurus, the, the very popular one, the Japanese lady. Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. She, she said that the way you have to think about it is if you have a thing that you're not using anymore, sure, you spent, say, $100 on it, and you're like, well, that's, it's a $100 thing. I don't want to get rid of it because I spent $100 on it. But at, at the, the day that you no longer use it, you're not benefiting. from. You've already spent that money. You're not getting it back. So you have, to, you have to look at it like, okay, the use that I got from it or the joy that it gave me just to buy it. Maybe I never wore it. I bought a jacket and then I never wore it. And now I, don't, I can't fit it or whatever. Or I don't, it's out of style. You got your $100 worth when you bought it. You got that excitement. You got that adrenaline rush. You got that you know serotonin, whatever it is. And it's over. You're oh, not going to benefit right. from it anymore. And in fact, you're n- not only are you not benefiting from it, keeping it anymore, even though you paid for it, it's actually harming you because it's taking up space in your life and cluttering your, your environment. Yeah. So getting rid of it is the final step. You say, alhamdulillah, I got my use out of that $100, and now it's out of my life. Because otherwise, it's just garbage that you're collecting. I have another technique, and I didn't read that book. A lot of people recommended me to read the book, but I never, good. I never read that book. But uh, I had my own trick in the downstairs closet you know the jacket closet which becomes you know in a place of amassment of stuff mm. so like how am i going to fix the situation and i came up with a situation control the hangers i declared <laughs> i control the hangers anything on the floor is going to the homeless right <clears throat> so you everyone gets an allotted number of hangers for the downstairs closet if it's on the floor it's gone and that forces them to at least take it upstairs, right? And realize that they have so much, right? Yeah. So there's got to be limits on stuff because yeah. uh, if you just live, if you have a normal income, the amount of stuff that you can accumulate will literally, like you had neighbors that were see, that were some, some older folks and they were 
packing stuff. They were like pack routes. When they moved out, the people have to bring a you know a container. Yeah, they had to rent a container just to dispose of stuff. A container. That's how much stuff they had. It's crazy. And I, and here's the thing. And I think I I want to move away from actual stuff because consumption can be other things than just stuff. Absolutely. Uh, one thing before we move on to other stuff in general is. Even con- uh, the minimalist, uh, like becoming minimalist, is also a, like a form of consumption for people now, right? It's like a thing to like Marie Kondo your <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's exactly what I want to bring up, and it's the hikam from the hikam of Ibn Athat. And when you read this book, you realize, Subhanallah, if all you need is a book in Aqidah, your manual of fiqh, and the hikam of Ibn Athat. From the hikam of Ibn Athat is that. He says there, there's something called Maidan and Nufus. And that is, and what he means by that, the, maybe the easier way to put it is the abode of creation. And that human beings, left to their own devices, will just obsess over, will, will suck on one type of creation or another. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and he, in another one, he uses the example of the donkey that is going around chasing his uh, the barley that he they, they, the donkey that they use to, to turn the mill right so they put barley right in front of him so he's chasing it and he doesn't realize he's just going in a circle right, right? so likewise we have this maidan and nufus this arena of souls it's just the attraction our natural attraction to other created things and we just go from one to another and there are types of people who are Maybe even in good things, right? So you'll see him uh, get a law degree. All right, he worked so hard, get got a law degree. Oh, it's good, benefits people. Next thing, get a real estate thingy, license. All right, now he sells homes. Next thing, he's a marathon runner, right? So he's a com- that's actually fine. It's an accomplishment to accomplishment to accomplishment. But guess what? They're all created things. Like, And he says, leave the created things and go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's where I think that this whole issue of uh, consumption this is where the way we have to think about it. Even like Moin just said, the idea of being a minimalist, it's still a created matter of the dunya. It's a matter of the world, yeah. right? It's an obsession of the world. And Allah may test you with the opposite. What if your mom moves in with you and she's a pack rat, right? Now you can't be a minimalist, but because, but Allah told you to take care of her and make her happy, right? So so true freedom is going from obsessing of over created things to obsessing to to turning your attention to Allah Ta'ala right. is you can be a minimalist in this you can be a minimalist in let's say fat versus fitness you know you so of no food and only you know basic food and no material that itself has becomes a thing yeah that's a, a thing, thing. Yeah. yeah so all, that's why consumption we have to be careful it's uh, so many different things and there's another hikmah I think not from Ibn Atat but from someone else Oh, it was Sufyan of Thodi. Sufyan of Thodi says, you'll see a man. He is a Zahid in food. He's a Zahid in living space. He's a Zahid in clothes. Okay, He's a Zahid in his wealth. But touch his reputation, right? And he'll kill you. Right? <laughs> so he's, he's not a Zahid in the reputation that he's a Zahid. You see that? How, how Sufyan of Thodi was really perceptive that there are some people who have worshipped the concept of being a Zahid. Yeah, he needs he needs some Zuhud from his Zuhud. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he hasn't actually he's 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 worshipped the the act of worship. Yeah. Or he's worshipped the spiritual state. Like the state of being a Zahid. The state of 
rem- uh, never being involved in the dunya. It's a hal. We call it in Islam a hal. In tasawuf, it's called a hal. Yeah. You don't worship the hal. Yeah, well, I mean, and the other thing is, if you're doing it for the sake of it, it's, yeah. it could be a riyah. That's what it is. And, yeah. and then so then you don't have that hat at all. You're just play acting. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, there's a trend of this even in the secular world, right? You see people all the time that take this consumption thing, take the minimalism thing. It's like, oh, I'm a minimalist to be a minimalist. I'm a vegan, you know, because I, I'm a vegan. They, they have no, it's like that. I think I sent you that video. This woman became, you know, she just became a meat eater. And like now she was like, oh, I, I've discovered the, the, the virtues of meat. And now she's no longer a vegan. So she wasn't even doing it for the animals. Like she <laughs> he was just doing it for, for doing it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with things like, oh, you know, I don't watch TV. I just read books. <laughs> right. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm all about fitness. I, I you know, I, I work out, you know, twice a day. I do X, Y, and Z. But it's all just for the sake of the yeah. idea of whatever that thing is that you're doing. Even people, I mean, there's religious people like this, right? It's like, oh, I'm a student. I read X, Y, and Z books. I've, I've devoured all of these texts. Yeah. People chase identities all right. the time. And, so, and, yeah. and oftentimes we do it without even knowing that we do it, right? It's like, oh, I, I've uh, devoured all of these texts and I can recite to you, you know, from, from this text and this text and this text and this text. But it's like... It, is that at what point is that even beneficial and we actually have too the idea uh, among students of knowledge it's not even a big i don't think it's a big thing for westerners and it's not even a bad thing but it, it does become an obsession which is chasing as i need yeah right chasing its neds and i've seen people who i thought were very mature people right really like obsessing over as i need like and the sign of it was that the discussion comes up in an inappropriate time like there are everyone else is sitting there nobody even has one senate right and they're having a discussion about all your SNED and it's sort of like almost to the point that you're sort of making everyone else feel like trash mm-hmm. so that me that shows me that there is no balance there like there's no perception that you're beyond your 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 you've gone too far because you can't even perceive that other people are sort of bothered by it it's almost like in a spiritual sense talking about money in a material sense. Absolutely. Same like thing. You can't go in front of certain people and say, oh, well, guess what? I just bought a, a Range Rover and, I bought, uh, and then I'm going to trade that in. When it's done, I'm going to get the, the latest Mercedes, right? You don't talk about that in front of people, right? Mm-hmm. Likewise, some of Mesakin, they never had a chance to study. You don't go and, and, and carry on about how many Mashiach you studied with when he can't even, there's not even a Sheikh within the same time zone as this guy, right? So, Also, collecting accolades and degrees and yeah. uh, you know um different senates yeah. and, and yeah. different licenses to teach and just that yeah this is just another type of thing you know i i wish i could remember the name and i i can't but it was one of the ulama of the maliki school from from the maghrib who uh his practice was to take a hadith memorize it and then go off and contemplate it yeah and he would think about it and he would uh, see how he applied it to his life, find the places in his life where he can, you know, enact it if it was something of Amman. And then he would come back and then take another hadith. Yeah, that's teacher. it. There's weeks between each one. So I'm, I'm telling you, that's a beautiful way of doing knowledge. And, it, if he, and if he died with only having learned 100 hadith, he actually did something Yeah, he with acted him. upon Instead of being wow. like, I memorized all these books. Yeah. And? Yeah. What are you doing besides memorizing books? That reminds me how... You sound like a computer. Yes, how Abdullah bin Omar... 
took him what like what was it 16 years to memorize Surah Al-Baqarah and someone said how he said I would not memorize the next set of ayahs until I practice the first one mm. so you, you literally have to drink it it has to marinate and yeah. deen has to marinate right uh, I've idea of uh, compiling knowledge and reading so many books deen or otherwise right reading so many books don't they all get washed away at some point yeah. like when you see people with a huge lab, you've noticed I don't, I don't even have a big library in comparison to other people in the field who have stacks you know what's his name out in UCLA uh, Professor Khaled uh, Abul Fadl the top story of his house has been transformed into stacks oh like like literally like a library. library stacks like yeah. he went and bought library stacks he might have read all those books. He reads a lot. Oh, he but reads a lot. He's not going back to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so <laughs> the thing is that to me, what's the the value of something is never the thing itself. The value of it is the interaction of that thing with the real world. Yeah. That's if you think about really the benefit of something. It's interacting with it with the quote unquote real world. A great example of this that I can give is, is actually with people. Uh, I'm sure you guys all have friends like this. Do you have a friend who just has way too many friends and you know that you're not really important. <laughs> I right? do, like, I mean, there's, there's people that you interact with where you know the interact, interaction is just not valuable because of how many interactions they've ha- yeah. they have on a daily basis, yeah. right? Where they have so many friends that you really just don't matter. Not that they don't genuinely, you know, like your friendship, but it's just they have so many that it's just it just you, it's just invaluable, right? Yeah. I, I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I know everybody exactly, has a friend like this. I know exactly what you're talking about. And there are some people who, as a phrase that they say, is "Oh, it's, it's so so happy to see you." It's a bunch of nonsense, right? <laughs> because you never call, right? If I call, you never pick up, right? And you know, everyone goes through a phase in their life when they're trying to make friends or they're impressed by somebody, especially when you're younger, right? You're impressed by someone, you're chasing after them, sort of. You feel that there's somebody to be some benefit by being around them. And they don't return your calls, right? They don't return your texts or emails or anything. But then when they see you, I guess they're embarrassed. So they say something really nice. But you know, like, that's a total lie. It, right? it, uh, I, I feel this a lot, especially, you know, since I live in South Jersey where there's not that many uh, Muslims around. Yeah. And so the, the few that are around, I mean, we know each other very, very well. Yeah. And so I, I know we used to joke around. It's like some guy was busy. It's like, you know, what were you busy with? Because you weren't with us and you don't seem to have any yeah. family <laughs> problems going on. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> what were you doing? Yeah. Right. Whereas I know when, you, when, when, I, when I moved up here, it was very different, right? Interacting right. with people. Because it's like you didn't get that same cozy feeling where it's like, okay, this, this person clearly has time for you and, yeah. and, and they're really around. And so I think the same can be applied when it comes to human beings. You can apply that to, to a lot of other things, right? It's the, there's value in the little things, right? You know, in my defense, <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm the type of person that I, I, I genuinely like the people that I'm friends with and I'm friendly with more. I like, I get along with most people. There's uh, maybe a handful, maybe six people that Muslims that I can think of that I genuinely don't like. Yeah. And that's my fault. I should work on that. But Six. Than, I hope I'm not one of those. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Trust me, you would know. I would never even speak to you. <laughs> but aside from those few, that handful of Muslims, I, I, I truly genuinely feel like everyone is my, my brother. And some people you like more than others, right? Like I hang out with you guys. I actually come. 
this is a big deal for me to come out and actually be in person <laughs> with people. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to not be, uh, I tend to not socialize with other people like that. Not because I'm not a social person. In fact, the opposite. You know, you put me in the room, I walk around, I circle, I say something to yeah. everybody. I sit down, I ask about their families. Um, but it, and it is genuine. But yeah, you might call me and I'm not going to want to hang out. With. <laughs> well, well, when, when, I, when I made the statement that, you know, I definitely don't think it's not genuine. Right, well, the the people that I'm talking about, I, I think they're actually very genuine. They're very sincere with the people that they meet, and and I think they 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 sincerely talk to and interact with people. However, they just do so much of it, yeah. right, because of their profession or just you know the the way that they are that you know that your interaction is just not special. It's not, right? it's not that they, it's not that they don't they don't genuinely try yeah. to do to to meet with you, uh, but it's, it's like when you meet like a politician, for example. Yeah. They just meet Whatever. so many people. It's just <laughs> it's just not important, right? Um, so I, my thought where I was going with that is I think the idea of consumption is uh, where do we draw the line? So one th one thing that I had earlier in my notes is when it comes to food, for example. Yeah. You have like food critics, you have like luxury, <laughs> you have like luxury eating. Where does Islam draw the line for those things? Is there a form of art that can be food? Is there oh. a form of consumption that can well. be art? <laughs> masterpiece kicked you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the question is sort of like all the Orfi stuff. All the Orfi stuff. What are the pious Muslims who pray five times a day in the masjid? they're going to determine for that township or that region or that part of the world, they'll determine the norm, right? But what do you do in, like, we live in almost like a global monoculture. What no, do you but in terms, of, in terms of, for example, if you live in uh, our area, let's say Central Jersey, mm -hmm. okay, which I know Alex doesn't think is a thing, but it's, it's a thing. It's, <laughs> he thinks it's a... It's an invalid uh, statement by our, the governor, but it actually is by Orf. That would be like the first correct thing he ever said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's limits on there. There's going to be a clear. You're going to by going around to the different masjid, you'll get an idea where Muslims, prize praying Muslims, feel that something is too much or too little. So eat a lot of sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you think so? I don't know if I agree with that. Why not? Because there's definitely going to be. Uh, you're gonna find extremes. You're gonna if you go to if you for if you spend ten years, let's mm -hmm. say from a kid is ten years old till he's twenty years old, he's gonna go to weddings, funerals, what you guys call davits, yeah. right? Yeah. Davos, <laughs> uh, invitations basically. Davits, 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 davits. Okay, Dawit. <laughs> uh, you you have da those invitations. He's gonna go to his friends' uh, homes for from high school and college you're just by default going to get an idea of where the pretty rich people are at, where the pretty not rich people are at, and where everyone else is in the middle. So just by living, you get an idea of where the, uh, where the bookends are. And w what is the balance? Balance is avoiding both extremes. That's it. Mm -hmm. So you really need to know the extremes. But do we in the modern world already live at an extreme but that doesn't make a difference we're not doing an anti a, a historical comparison you don't have to be balanced across the centuries yeah. that's not balanced so balance like, is now is your question like what is the halal haram limit limits of that islam sets for consumption say of food like sure. what what is what is beyond the bounds sure i mean it's pretty open right uh, so for food yeah it's it's pretty open i think i mean um you can eat a whole sheep every day if you want 
there's a difference you between be- eating a whole sheep every day that you slaughtered versus versus going to like you know Ruth's steakhouse in in Philly and and, and you know. Sorry, well, I mean, I, I just not Philly. Halal, I just know Philly references. I mean, but. like not 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 in not in the books of fic. There isn't, right? Like, you eat eat within your means, eat so that you don't harm your health. And other than that, it's up to you. You know, there's there's difference between what is halal and haram, and what's maybe spiritually better for you. What uh, whatever angle you're taking uh, for for your fitness or for your nutrition, or you yeah. might have a, a medical need. But in terms of halal and haram, as long as the animal is slaughtered correctly. And uh, man, it's basically yeah. I mean, you're gonna have uh, the that that's the that's the fiqh of it, and all these things are why the mashaykh say tariqatuna as suhba. Our path is suhba because the spiritual path is really, in fact, different in these res- regards. Mm-hmm. Every century, every decade, right? There is a time where, you know, if you had certain amount of entertainment. Or, you know, in a, in a day or in a week was considered you're a ghafir, <laughs> right? Today, if you're doing that type of entertainment and it's halal, you're a salah because you're not <laughs> doing like pornography, right? right, right. Now, think about this. If you, had a, if you had a bunch of 17-year-old kids and they prayed Aisha in the masjid, then they went home and they watched like a movie that did not have any skin in it and played video games, okay? And then fooled around and ate chips, all night, and then went back to Fajr for the message to the message to pray, and then went to sleep. What would you call those kids today? The best kids we would know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would those kids be called in the seventies? No, total, total uh, weirdos. Yeah, right? total like like, like, uh, soya, like burnouts. Right? Like you'd be like, what yeah. are you smoking dope? Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so that same type of uh, same thing transported thirty three decades. That's why there is no point in these trans century, you know, continental. Uh, comparisons with ourselves. There's no point. So that's why tariqatun as-sohbah, how do we know where's the basic good and bad is by being around other people. Okay, so let, let, let's take away the the historical comparison. Yeah. If I were to ask you, how many pairs of shoes should a man own? For, that can differ that can differ across his table. Okay, I can it's, say it's three. gonna differ, right? Is, yeah. Let me tell you what. I'm gonna tell you he should have wedding shoes. Wedding slash. What like are wedding green. shoes? Shiny, nice, shiny shoes. Okay. Right? He should have the type of shoes that he would wear. He could wear with like Dockers types of pants and with jeans that are nice shoes. You know when you wear a blazer with jeans? Mm-hmm. And those shoes. Okay, so that's two. That's two. He should have a pair. He could have a pair of sneakers if he wants. Nice sneakers and work sneakers. So that's three. That's four. That's four. four. So the nice sneaker that you, you could wear those sneakers with the jeans and the blazer. And then you have your work sneaker that you're going to do gardening, you're going to do sports, and then uh, and really that's, so that's five. That's four shoes. No, four. Okay, four. What about like sandals or? And then okay, if you're going to have sandals, they're fine. You're going to have two types of sandals: the sandals for the house, the the, the two cent ship ships that you're going to get from Target, right? And then you're going to have your fancy sandals that you wear with a thobe. Okay, so let's say that's six. five and a half because that was two cent. Sandals that you you know those two cents bathroom wudu sandal type of thing, that's half. So you're at, so let's say you're at six, right? Five, you you six. have you have four people in the house. I that's only men. I didn't count women. Let's say you have four people in the house. That's already twenty four pairs of shoes for four people. The women right. have a different situation on shoes, though. No, By the so way, I'm just I'm just throwing out numbers. Yeah, I'm not right. I'm not it saying anything, right? So when it comes to shoes, <laughs> 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 this is this is this is a top. Shoes are probably more important than the rest of your outfit. 
Yeah. Yeah. At least in you modern wear them, clothing. You wear them every day. Right? So you have to have a nice pair of, like, so the nice, the wedding shoes, like dress shoes that you can wear with a suit. Yeah. Something yeah. that you would wear to a job interview sure. or yeah. if you were going to court or something yeah. like that. So you need a pair of those in black and in brown. Okay, you're right about that, and that's exactly why I cut out all the brown. I know from my you're closet. just black and white. That means two belts, two socks, two shoes, right? Yeah. Two then, you, then you yeah. need the casual, the more casual shoe. You also need those in and each black color. And brown. Yeah. So that's four, right there. And right now you're just on shoes. Then you need so the sandals will throw in one or two of those. Yeah. You have yeah. to probably have three different types of sneakers. Minimum, because you have are? some that you have to do athletic stuff in. Athletic yeah. stuff. Some are that just for wearing, like casually with like pants or jeans or whatever. And then the 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 dirty ones that you do for whatever. For work. Okay. Then you're gonna need boots for the winter. I forgot about boots. I do not own a pair of boots. Yeah, you need boots to to, to shovel the snow. How are you gonna shovel the yeah. snow? You need boots, yeah. winter <laughs> boots. You also need. Um, <laughs> what? How are you gonna shovel the snow? You're not. You're, what do you? What are you wearing shovel shoes? The in the six other pair of shoes that you own? <laughs> no. What if it's you gonna get, get three all in your ankles? Of snow. I, you have to get those Walmart boots. You get them once in your life. It's like twenty five bucks. Literally five inches of rubber. Yeah, steel yeah. toe. You know, it's like five inches yeah. of rubber and they're then pull-ons. a huge boot, boot. Yeah. You don't even have to tie them. They're so high. Yeah. And they're so warm too. Yeah. You buy that once for your life. So you've now seen the problem here. Yep. You're also going to need some hunting shoes, some hunting boots, because okay. you're going, whatever, hiking. Why get, can't the other boots work for the hunting? Because they're not comfortable for walking miles in. You need stuff that you comfortably can walk around in the woods and climb over, you know, and trees not, and stuff in, in and not hills and mud. Well, why couldn't those yeah. boots just be used for the snow? Or is this a different type of boot, man? The snow boots. By the way, if you really want to get into it, I have spring, spring, summer woods boots and winter wood. And, and neither one of those are used for shoveling snow. Nor the ones that I'm wearing right now do I use for shoveling snow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm personally, I'm probably at like that I wear in rotation. There's stuff I have to throw out, but that I wear in rotation at least 15. 15, okay. But, but you've identified each function. And I'm so not even one sense. of those guys. Yeah. I'm like a regular guy, yeah. but 15. That's true. Now, I, uh, this is the same dude that actually owns hunting boots. So, I mean, that's. Well, here's the thing. Well, uh, I'm going in the woods. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying that this is a, as a compliment. Like The uh, brown and black thing was a big deal for me. Yeah. It was a big deal. I loathed. Once I discovered, and by the way, for a long time, I never knew anything about clothes. I would have stu- stuck with brown instead of the black shoes. Oh, yeah. They're more versatile. <laughs> See, I when I was in my study phase, I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything. I really had no clue about fashion until someone once told me, listen, the socks, the shoes, the belts have to be one color. You know that, that I like learned that? It's not something that I learned that like middle of life, like maybe when I was 25 or something. And the watch. Oh, and the watch. Could you believe that? I never had a clue. I would put on anything that was called clothes. I just put it on my body, <laughs> right? Mashallah. <laughs> uh, but then when I discovered this, and I think it was uh, Osama Cannon one time. We were in a hotel. And he, uh, we were in an elevator. And he was going around for his Etuna Institute doing Dawah. And he was, actually it was Talif already. And he looked at me and he just shook his head, man. He always dressed nice. Yeah, he Mashallah. always dressed nice, right? Mashallah. So, uh, and, and may, may Allah heal him. I mean, uh, from his sickness but once I learned that that became a big headache huge headache to the point I said that I can't do this I'm not doing this anymore I'm not taking 10 minutes to get dressed all the pants one color all the shirts one color all the belts one color all the socks one color all the shoes one color right and my dad he got me to get involved with gray 
because my dad lives in Tom's River, which is right in front of Lakewood. Lake, right under Lakewood. Lakewood has a bigger population of rabbinical schools yeah. than Israel. America and Israel are the same number, six. Yeah. Say, so he didn't want you wearing a black suit with a white shirt. Yeah, so every time I'd wear my black <laughs> yeah. blazer with a white shirt and black pants, yeah. like most people here wouldn't think twice about it, but he's very conscious of it because every day he's seeing them, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, you look like a Hasidic Jew. Right, and I was just laugh it off. So he 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 got me aware of that. Then I said, "All right, I got to stick some gray in there somewhere, just to to keep it within the scheme, but to uh, avoid the." And the thing is, this is not about uh, one of these fashionista type of people who are annoying. It's about efficiency. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking ten minutes to find my clothes in the morning. Right, I'm literally picking out whatever's clean from one shelf, the other shelf, and the other drawer. It takes me literally sixty seconds to pick out the clothes every morning. I've done it's the about same. efficiency. I've so. done the same thing with my work for work clothes only. Yeah, it's black shoes every day. Yeah, and the only colors I wear are gray and blue and white. Yeah, because you can match those around in any yeah. in any door and it works. Yeah, so I'm sure you're a you're a college student. I, I'd like to hear you know yeah, your thoughts on the I ridiculousness. Try, yeah, I was trying <laughs> to. I don't know. I was trying to like stay back on the shoes because I mean I went through a phase because um, I. I guess like three years out of high school is like not that long ago. Yeah. Um, so I I was I was a collect I guess you can say collector of Jordans. Um, it, it was expensive, nonetheless, right? Um, and then like when you go into like conversations of the Masakin and it, it just hurts like internally because um, like you just have so much stuff um, and then you see the value. That's why I was so hooked on like the value of those things that I bought. Um, and now it's just getting personal. It's like the things that I bought, like, will that value kind of like stay there, you know? And then it also goes into like being like a simple person. Like I have red Jordans, I have the blue Jordans, and then I have the white ones and then the black ones. So like every outfit has to match. And that was the phase that I was going through. Like now I'm wearing my gym shoes. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't. Hey, listen, for some people who have little uh, things like that. If you're doing, you're living well otherwise, yeah. I don't want to go to an extreme and say like this stuff is like you're like a, you know, don't deserve to exist type no, of person. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like uh, if someone's given their sadaqa, gives a ca- yeah, living, yeah. I think collecting yachts and collecting uh, <laughs> certain watches that are $5,000, that's yeah. where you, you're getting to a ridiculous level. Yeah, but but, what, but wait, why is that ridiculous? What's that? Why is collecting a yacht Orfie, or because it's Orfi? Because for us, we consider it ridiculous. Depends on your. It depends on your income level and stuff like that, right? Yeah, the reaction. The reaction to it. Uh, in a group, if you were to go and we were to have, let's say, fifteen guys. Yeah. That we all know, and someone and you were to say, I have five Jordans. That's not really a big yeah, deal. Yeah. 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 But if you were to say, I have five watches each watch costs five thousand dollars we'd say like bro that's like, <laughs> absurd there's people that we know and we see regularly who do that, that we're friends with yeah. that have like would five. they say it yeah they, they would be embarrassed when they get no when they get around the other guys that also have rolexes and invictus and stuff they start talking about oh it. there's a group <laughs> of yes. course yeah there's, there, i they're, mean they're probably all in one field yeah, i mean that's why that's the, why that's and it why. has nothing to do with watches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, mashallah, Allah has yeah. blessed them with a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of wealth. This is why, actually, believe it or not, I was thinking the other day about the the dictum of tariqatun suhba. This what suhba is our is our is the path. The path is suhba with people of taqwa. Now we're aware of people of taqwa in the masjid, which is a public space, right? And their people of taqwa are all types of people. It actually pulls you out of this idea of hanging out with the people of your profession. 
this is actually a very bad it's a yeah. it has a, a lot of negative impacts mm-hmm. like doctors with doctors lawyers with lawyers even let's say mashaykh with mashaykh imams with Im- this has a really negative impact because your your vision of priorities becomes totally skewed of reality becomes totally skewed right whereas when you're in a, when your sahba is regular people of the mosque you're going to have the millionaire and you're going to have everyone else and you're going to have the miskeen who is like the ward of the community because we all have to take care of him because he's just he'll never pick himself up and we accept that khalas we'll take care of him mm-hmm. and we have those people by the way right uh sheikh nasser knows them all he's got his list of guys guys some very old some not we just know they will never pull it together and we've come to realize that and accept it and khalas that's how the community gets their their mm-hmm. sins forgiven from them by taking care of this family mm-hmm. That gives you a perspective, right? And what you can't say there is probably most uh, resembles reality than what you can or can't say with a group of surgeons or a group of lawyers or whatever. That's actually true. Yeah. Um, for for Mashun, I just have. Uh, you're not married, right? No. All right. No. So, this is off topic, but on topic. Uh-huh. This is no. Actually, it's a hundred percent on topic. Yeah. Dress nice. Buy expensive clothes that you can, af- if you can afford it. Buy nice stuff and get opinions from like your cousins and your sisters and uh, your, if you have young aunties, right? There Trust me, it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge benefit. It's going to yeah, be a huge yeah. benefit to your life Definitely. as you walk into the next phase. Mental health, yeah. meant so much of mental health is ironing your clothes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And doing your bed in the morning and cleaning your your yeah. room and your kitchen. It actually produces uh, a change in a person's mental situation and emotional situation when they're clean. And I always look at it like this. Think about this. We're, here we are in a non-Muslim land. We got all this hill in front of us and all this fitan in front of us. I mean, for someone to spend a little, for a Muslim to spend a little bit more than usual on appearance, he's already dealing with so much nonsense. Let give him, cut him some slack. Right? Yeah, and it's also sunnah. And it's also a sunnah too. So the Prophet Sallallahu was never seen except that he looked well. Like he, he never looked mm. unkempt. And this is, some people say this is the reason why Waisul Qarni never made it to become a Sahabi. They said that so that his path is not considered a Sunnah. Because mm. if, if he was a Sahabi, his path of living homeless, eating from the garbage, that's literally how he lived. Never marrying, never settling down, always just on the road and being homeless like that is not one of our Sunnah. Right? And that's one of the wisdoms some people say he never became a Sahabi. Because you do have those people in the Ummah. But you shouldn't try to be like that. The nafs is very attracted to that sometimes. Oh, the nafs can be attracted. And we have our own Uwais al-Qarni in our community. Right? Like, you know who it is. Mm. We have an old man who is our Uwais al-Qarni. He didn't do it by design. He's, the life jammed him into that lifestyle. And he lives like that. And he pops up, you know, every few months. And he disappears every few months. Right? And he is the barakah of the community and the ward of the community. And like, like that's his thing. Right? He, uh, that's how he lives. And if you ask him, he never planned it. He probably doesn't even know always Al-Qarni and what his story is like. Such a good guy, though. Such an amazing man. Full of baraka. Yeah. yeah um, so in terms of, like, there were the like the phases specifically with me, like, going to... Um, I So at first I went to community college. Um, and then, like, just going to community college, it was more like... It wasn't really the friendships, uh, I would say. It was more of just, like, getting through that to go to the university life. Um but within the community college life, I went through a phase and I feel like a lot of college students might connect where 
it was kind of you were going towards because it was a first college experience you're going towards that life where islam is really not present right and then like you're trying to consume all these all this knowledge and all this information about the exact opposite lifestyle right because everyone that you're going to make friends in terms of right you're going to make that they're just going to be usually not muslim and then if, when you try to connect to the msa that's just an entirely different story um and then with me specifically how i got over that was trying to look better right like trying to like feel better by just like appearance wise right like you know oiling my beard like that was a thing that i'm very nice like i like to have like oil and like a comb my beard just for the personal kind of it helps your mindset and it helps you like present yourself as oh, a muslim totally. Like, you know, cause, cause I, and like now specifically, cause I do, um, like I do daily reminders on Instagram, right? Like I do just like Islamic reminders and it just, it just helps like with me, like, I guess if you're in a public eye, right, it just helps when you're looking better and you know, you're known as the Muslim, yeah. uh, not that you want to look like that, but you're just known as the Muslim. So that's just, my, I mean, my, we, we, there's so much negative PR though, that, you know, reverse yeah. Of that would not harm yeah. us at all. Of it course. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, I had a friend who was unemployed in England, and he was so miserable. just couldn't get a job. So he was so depressed. I said, man, what are you going to do? He's like, uh, so one day he, I saw him getting dressed up. Right? I said, oh, you got an interview? He said, no, I'm so down. And in France, a trick is you get dressed up, you you, sh- you, you trim your, your beard, you shave properly, you get a haircut, and you just walk in the streets. And that's how you pick yourself up. Because people actually look at you like you're important. Right? That was, that and was, you start feeling better about yourself. Yeah, that was one of the thing. One of the parts of uh, Elijah Muhammad's program was yeah. you have to look clean and neat and dress dress the part. Oh, you have to, to totally to combat the negative stereotypes and propaganda. So, Sheikh, can, let's outline some topics on uh, consumption. Okay. So, like food, what are the what are the pr- parameters? Food, yeah. three meals a day. If you want to talk about it, because the ulama have spoken on this. Yes. They said the prophets eat once a day, if that. The salatin eat twice a day. The rest of people and animals eat three times a day. So that's max. And has to be halal meat. It's got to be halal meat. It's not uh, even a but there's still people today, 2020, oh, eating non-tabi. You're 100% right. And someone asked me what exactly is halal meat the other day in the masjid that's been praying with us for years. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, they didn't realize that this is not a sunnah. It's not a mandub. It's not wara. The animal must be slaughtered properly with the neck. Right? Yes. By the neck. The two blood vessels and different uh, you know cut by the neck okay uh and the name of allah mentioned on it and you may eat kosher you can consume kosher food it's halal for us to do that to cook kosher meat so that's a necessity no popeye's chicken sandwich popeye's chicken sandwich which is not halal yeah <laughs> it's out okay uh, <laughs> forget it's not tayyib either <laughs> yeah it's not yeah all right um clothing Within is it, it has to do with your amount of the amount of risk that you have clothing. That's a good question. I mean, uh, what would your answer be on clothing? Because I would say so, a closet. That's it. What do you need? Well, no, I mean, I mean, chest? in terms in terms of like the level of clothing, right? Yeah. So, like, I always return to the, to the narration from Omar when he saw the man. He was dirty. He tried to give him money. Yeah. And he said, "No, I have nice. I have money." He said, "Well, then spend it on your clothes and dress nice." Or Imam Malik. Who always s- look nice. No israf in smelling good and dressing nice. Oh, he said that. Subhanallah. Yeah. Uh, the smell, we know the Prophet said there's no israf in it. Now, the I didn't know Malik extended that to clothes because Malik was always sharply dressed for a reason. I'm, I may be interpolating. Maybe it was just uh, he was quoting the Prophet oh, okay. on, on the scent. 
So but he um, always dressed very nice. He always dressed nicely, and he said that there were in a time where the people respect the emirs more than the imams. So he actually was <laughs> combating that, yeah. right? So imagine what it is today, right? Uh, I think people should dress their profession. Surgeons, if you're a surgeon and you're going to cut up, cut me up. I hope you're coming in a luxury car, right? Because mm. if you're coming in like a Honda, and you're wearing Dockers, I'm. I'm wondering why you're not more successful, right? <laughs> and you're going to cut me up? If you're a trial lawyer, you're a gangster, basically. You should be dressed in an intimidating way. You should yeah. come up reflecting that. If you're a real estate agent, we know that. Real estate agents have to have a luxury car. They actually write it off as a part of their job, as a tax deduction, yeah. right? So you should dress your role. Now, if you're a sheikh in the masjid, there is something weird about a sheikh in the masjid coming up in some kind of like Maserati. It just doesn't, it's not, it's not haram. It just doesn't fit the what we perceive. Even if, right? like, say you come from wealth. Um, you know, maybe not. I mean, the thing is that when you deal with people, it is sort of awkward, you know, that... Sure. Because his job function is a middle. He should be middle. He should not be poor because that may... He's needy. Mm-hmm. That means he might, you know, you know, treat people better for, you right. know, for their right. charity or something. And he should not look so much that he intimidates the fuqara that are around him right. too. So I would say there's a middle level. Imams, the people of scholarship should be in the middle. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to disagree on a couple of things. Okay. And and not just disagreeing for myself because I know this is a, a really – you know, personal, like it could, it could, this thing could differ person to person. Yeah, it's a and, matter of right. And, and it's also a matter of, or, you know, somebody listening from, you know, Australia might have a completely different take on this than someone listening from New York City or someone listening from Kansas, right? Uh, and, and so, for example, I would have no issue with, you know, my surgeon walking in, you know, in, you know, a Prius and, and Dockers. I would have no issue with that as long as, you know, that person is, uh, so, so like I said, that's if he wants an electric vehicle, he sh- should at least be a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that, so that so that's person to person, right? Like that wouldn't bother me at all. I'd be like, okay, does he have the credentials? Is it, how has he done in the past surgeries? Like, is he is he successful in his profession? If, if he chooses not Maybe. to buy a, you know, Maybe. if he chooses not well, to buy a Tesla Roadster, that's cool well, with I me. Like, you know, that's I I believe I don't know. Maybe my thinking is bizarre. If he's cheapo on his pants. He might be cheapo in the room. Like I don't want to use too many bandages. How do you know he's use- not? How do you know he's only? How do you know he's uh, cheap? How do, why are you? Why are you? He's wearing like cheap. Like if he if, looks like he shops at Kohl's. Listen, if you're and he's a surgeon, if you're pulling fifteen grand a month, right? That's nothing. That's nothing. Right? Even more than that. They're pulling more than that, right? Mm-hmm. If he's pulling twenty and twenty-five grand a month, and you're buying pants, and you choose the thirty-dollar, twenty-nine ninety-nine dollar pant. Over the fifty nine ninety nine dollar pant, there's something wrong in your head. If that thirty dollar matters to you that much, right? When you're pulling twenty five grand, I'm just saying like that. What like because I see it like I'm in tech, right? And yeah. I see it all the time. Like I see my VP who's like but, in, in uh, check. That's so. This is what the, the Orfi thing, right? So the next category I was going to say when you were saying doctor and yeah. is IT. If you work in IT, you have to wear a t shirt. You right. actually have to wear Vans down. You have yeah. to go down. <laughs> you, have to, right? <laughs> you might not cut your hair yeah. uh, on a regular schedule. This is how I go into work. And I'm probably like well-dressed for my office. But you <laughs> all, but you emphasize yeah. that you're UX or whatever it's called. No, I'm not. No, UIX I'm not or whatever, I'm, not IT. I'm software now. IT yeah. to me is a Toyota or a Honda. Okay. Because they're Daisy. New Balance, <laughs> right? Yes. New Balance sneaker. Uh-huh. Like Lee jeans or, or Wrangler jeans. <laughs> Yeah, right. these are these and are guys. He's an ICNA member. 
This if you're, if, you're, if you're in IT, even if you're like a white Best dude or a, even so if you're far. a white guy or a black guy or whatever, and you're in IT or you're in tech somehow, yeah, you're probably not. You don't care. Your your mind is on other things, so you don't really look at the clothes that you wear, and you might not even match your outfits, and you're probably somewhere on the spectrum anyway. Yeah, and right? I can tell you, and he doesn't deal with a customer, right? No, face to face. Now here's the thing about the surgeon. That surgeon's going to hospital events. He's going to conference, medical conferences, and he's seeing his peers. By nature, by nature, of human nature, you need to be similar to your peers. When that guy has five Rolexes, I'm not even mad at him. Oh, it's not yeah. even an issue. Because think about this. If, he, if this guy goes to medical conferences, he goes to other invitations with his medical group, he goes to a hospital party at the end of the year, and he sees all these people with all these that, that norm of medical um, you know, uh, standard of living. And he still goes against the grain that much to wear Dockers and drive a Prius. He has a problem. He's a contrarian, right? Yeah. He has an issue. And I'm not going to go and investigate him anymore to cut up my body, right? And open me up. <laughs> I mean, Something's you're, wrong. You're probably, I mean, this I can agree with. It's, um, and one thing you brought up, like, for example, I, I work in engineering now, right? And, and I know before I used to work in product management, and I see the stark differences in one my coworkers but also in myself as my role has you know now now that i work on the engineering side it's like i don't care anymore because i don't talk to people anymore right i do my own thing i come into work and and i'll see you later and it's interesting because that also influences my worldview about other people so it's like i, I one is it's orfi it's uh it's it's also your own profession. Like I, I know a doctor is probably judging all tech people. Like, oh, these people don't dress well. They're always like I know Alex probably judges all tech people. And, and I don't. <laughs> I mean, not incorrectly anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but let's. So now, so that was clothing. So let's say um, vehicles. Wait, but before we get to, can I give you one more thing? In the sure. Corner? So take a take an academic, a college professor. They should dress nice. They should be. They should. They should look nice. But you don't want him coming in in like uh, a, a gray suit that has a little bit too much sheen to it, uh-huh. with a really sharp tie Something and really nice shoes. Yeah. That's true. And his hair is well coiffed. You're gonna be like, is this guy a professor or a or, or is he a lawyer or a salesman? What's going on here? So like, even on the small details, it makes a difference. There's a congruous thing there. Yeah. Now here's the thing: if you have a lawyer, if you're going to lawyers and he's you're signing off to to, to get a house or whatever. And that lawyer is not well kept. You can tell that like his hair is not done right. Hair, that's a sign of lack of care about details. No. Now, what about if he doesn't care about details on his hair or his suit or his office? How do I know he kept the care of the details in my contract? He probably didn't. So there is a reason when a, and, a, and a subconscious reason of why these two things sort of no. are congruous or incongruous. Like Alex said, when if you have a professor in school... You actually want him to be a mad scientist look. That's yeah. culturally what we've come to expect, but there's a reason for that. Or wearing like tweed and corduroy. Yeah, and that he's so engrossed. He's so engrossed in his fields that in terms of the mad scientist type. Yeah. So engrossed in his fields that he's he's thinking so much that he can't t- have time to think about whether to push or to pull the door or how to comb his hair. That's for the mad scientist. Now, the type of literature guys, 
it's a guilt. They dress a certain way. By him dressing that way, I get the feeling that he's part of that guilt. Yeah. Every uh, profession, every field has its own look to it, right? And this is something that is a bit in our world. It's become a norm. Yeah. In the time of the Prophet, I said, the clothes you went to war with, the clothes you gave the khutbah with, the clothes you bought and sold with, the clothes you heard the, sh- heard the sheep with is one garment. That's their life, but we don't it's compare it. Bidah hasana, though. Yeah, it's fine. Or, but or it's, it's going to be or it's ma- ma- uh, mubah at least. It's right. at least mubah. Yeah. I think this is one topic that one area of the idea of consumption that that I think Dr. Shetty brought up, and and I think Dr. Shetty has brought this up not just with consumption but other topics as well. Is you can't live in this like fairy tale past of you know this is what the the people of old were like, and and this is what we need to be like today because the world changes. Islam is a, is a is a adaptive religion that changes, you know, with uh, uh, the the people and the times, and 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 that's that's one of the the great positives of our deen and our usul and our fiqh, right? I'm yeah. going to trigger a lot of Hanafis and even some Malikis with this. Okay. There is something about congruity in your appearance yeah. that has a, a real. It's really important. Mm-hmm. It's really necessary, and it. it it affects your dawah and it affects the way that you present the deen to people in life. If you're going to have long hair and a big beard, then dress in flowy clothes, mm. right? You should be wearing thobes and shalwar kameez and stuff like that. If yeah. you have like a like a real big beard and yeah. you have like you keep your hair long, it doesn't look good with a suit. Doesn't look good with like a, a shiny long sleeve T-shirt that people wear to a club. Like it looks ridiculous. By the same token. If you're like neatly trimmed and well coiffed and you're walking around with a thobe all the time, like grow your beard a little bit, maybe let your hair grow. <laughs> like you, you, the the things, the two things have to match. Yeah, the congruous stuff. It ha- yeah, because if not, you look like you're wearing a costume. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks it looks like you're confused. You're between yeah. civilizations, yeah. right? Like you're well, you're yeah. of a civilization living in another civilization. Imam Muhammad when he was in MBS a few years ago, he said that one of the things that he dislikes to see is people taking Islamic clothes from different cultures and mixing them. Yeah, it's actually a pet peeve too of mine. Yeah. Like the Maghribi thobe with a Palestinian scarf. Yeah. It's like, you know when you watch uh, old 90s movies where they're per- <laughs> showing the Arabs or the Muslims yeah. and they clearly costume designer was not hired from the right He's department. He's wearing shawar kameez <laughs> with, shal- with, with the Palestinian scarf with the Afghan yeah, hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or shawar kameez with the blazer. That is my absolute oh, pet yeah. peeve. But. I think that's become a thing though with Jordan and, Pal- and, and Pakistan. The, the, the Arab thing. clothes with the blazer. But it's, 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 it's a thing for a different meaning. It's sort of like we've accepted the colonization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the colonization is in us now. It's like flowing it's, in our it's blood. Like, it's like the it's like the, the the pointed collar on a thobe. Yeah. What are you wearing a tie with that? Why would you have that collar on? <laughs> well, how about the one where um, I think it was the old it was one of with Salah Dean and um, Orlando Bloom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I know what that's called. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. Of Heaven. Yeah. So what was that? Two thousand one or something like that. Two thousand two. So in that, they clearly filmed it in Morocco. You know they filmed it in Morocco. Mm-hmm. All the extras are wearing Moroccan clothes. <laughs> the palaces all have Moroccan uh, symbols of the Al Murabit uh, dynasty, yeah. right? That La Ghalib illallah. <laughs> and it's almost like you have to actually suspend any sense of history, if you know any art history, uh, uh, or any sense of what 
kind of geometric designs fit with what civilization to pretend that you're in Palestine for that movie. And anybody that doesn't have a familiarity with that Middle Eastern history, it's like having something set in in like 18th century England, yeah. right? Or 19th century England, right? Industrial Revolution time, but they're all dressed like French, like French people yeah. during the 1600s. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you? No. <laughs> and and then the writing is in French. Yeah. Or it's like someone with the French socks, you know, those long yeah, yeah. French socks. The sans the sans culottes. Yeah, and a tie. So and he tie. went from continent to, to to different centuries, different continents. So yeah, there's there's an importance to the congruity of your look. If you you got to go all in. Yeah, the congruity of the look is uh, something that sort of reflects a type of wholesomeness of. Uh, person and we're in authenticity authenticity you're not pretending yeah and here's the thing is that we are a people now islam is a comes to civilizations there's no specific thing called islamic culture Mm -hmm. right there are cultures and islam comes to that culture and is their religion right and then we'll tweak a few things here and there so for example uh, in our western culture one thing that we would tweak is the tight pants for men it's a makru if it's skin tight it's haram because coverage, the the meaning of coverage has two conditions: la yashif wa la which means it's not transparent and it's not form fitting. If you if it's transparent or it's form fitting, you aren't covered. Your salah is invalid, and even it's sinful to even go out into the public with those images and, or with that with that dress. And wear a shirt that's not like when you when you when you make sujood, it doesn't it's become a midriff shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Don't show there, me your back. Yeah, there was a sheikh who uh, was really funny, Palestinian sheikh, that he used to say to all the brothers in the masjid, please, your shirts are coming up, right? And he said, from now on, every time, if you can't afford it, every time I see uh, someone is back, I'm going to put a nickel in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put a nickel in the crack, right? <laughs> so since you gave me a slot, and you apparently you can't afford clothes, right? So I'm putting a nickel in there. And they actually made plumber's shirts for that. Because the, the, the other industry of field of people that are on their hands and knees that are on their hands and knees and their rear their back is shown all the time is plumbers. So there's a there's a company by them called the Plumber's Shirt or whatever the company's called. By the way, I'm going to offer uh, a, a bit of practical advice to people who might find themselves in that situation. Yeah, sorry, Moeen's mom is probably calling him. When you're when you're when you're in, in Salah and you know that your shirt is maybe a little bit shorter, your pants don't stay up well. Before you go in, before you you prostrate, pull your pants up. Like if you if you're a man, grab your pants from the front by your pockets. Yeah. Pull them up, up oh, on before your before sajda. Before sajda. Yeah. And it'll sense. keep the sh- it'll keep the the pants from pulling down the and the shirt from coming up. Yeah. It's just a simple little trick. Yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> that's that's just like a trick. It's not like okay. So for a long time, right? A lot of my uh, I believe cousins and also right, they thought it was like. Like uh, a condition of salah to like do that to like pull your pants pull up, your, pull your pants up, or like show your ankles or something. And but just then, before sujood? Yeah. No, no. It's no. to keep your it's to keep your back from being exposed. Yeah, it's to, be, it's to keep your okay. pants from being pulled down. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people are civilizations are what they are, and and I take you know life to be what it is, and you're just gonna adapt a few tweaks here and there. But you gotta sort of not l- be ridiculous in the sense of. Um, uh, that this issue of congruity, people mm-hmm. should have a sense of how they're looking. It is not this is not an artsy fartsy thing or a superficial thing or a, you, you know something that should be pushed on the side. Especially now, you want to talk about going and doing dawah. At least you got to be someone that I could look at. Well, lot of them. There are some people, the Muslim himself, and I'm as a Muslim to a Muslim, I can't look at him. 
I can't look at them and enjoy what I'm looking at, right? Because it's so incongruous, it's so not caring, there is no uh, attention given to it, okay, that how do you expect to do da'wah? And that's why one of the attributes of all prophets was that they were wasim, that they were, their faces did not have any blemish in it that would make people not want to look at. And I'm not even talking about looks. I'm saying in general, you should be able to be kept, well kept enough that uh, people could look at you. And for youth, when we talk about youth acting up and being crazy, sometimes it's just like there's no self-esteem. They don't take care of themselves and uh, they're sloppy. So their mind is sloppy. Their life is out of order. It all starts with your own self. If you can't take care of your own self, then how are you going to take care of anything else in life? So <clears throat> so I'm not going to quote Muftiniyaz, but I remember him teaching us uh, a principle oftentimes in fiqh uh, where there are many times in fiqh, and not just in fiqh, but also in, in matters of tasawwuf, where there isn't a clear-cut black-and-white rule. And if your nafs is pure, right, and your nafs is clean, uh, he used to tell us that, you know, oftentimes in these situations, your nafs is the greatest mufti, right, that... that it, it not everything in in the deen has a rule, right? And on oftentimes you come across a situation. For example, like we said, uh, the number of shoes that a person should own. Like I think we could all agree that probably depends on your profession, your background, your lifestyle. If your nafs is pure and clean, right? Your nafs is your greatest mufti. When it comes to examples like this, when it comes to consumption of food, when it comes to consumption of entertainment, when it comes to consumption of other things, all of the guidelines that we have in our deen are set. Yeah. Uh, we we know what we know what those general guidelines and principles are. I think the the, the hikam that you mentioned earlier, Doctor Shadi, which is, uh, you know that you should go towards Allah in your consumption, right? When, when you take out the dunya and you go towards Allah, that's when, you know, everybody knows that in order to, for example, spread da'wah, if you're going, you should look nice, right? But that that is not in pursuit of the dunya. That is actually in pursuit of Allah, yeah. right? So your goal in and of itself is different. And when your goal is Allah, it's it's not the, the, the consumption that's important. That's, it's Allah that's important, right? I, th- I think there's another hikmah that he says that if you view everything as coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, take what you want. That's Masha a beautiful Allah. hikmah from Masha Ibn Allah. al-Ta'ala. He says, if you, if you view everything as a gift from Allah ta'ala, take whatever you want and it won't harm you. Because when it goes away, you'll view it as Allah taking it away, right? At the same time, if Mashallah. that's truly how you view things, right? So uh, that's where the idea of ask your heart, it does make sense in that, those situations. And when we when he says here in the hikmah that uh, we go from creation to creation and go from creation to Allah, it's not precluding. It doesn't mean that a person is khalas, avoiding everything. No, you're still going to partake in stuff. It just won't affect you in the same, in a negative way. It'll be measured. It's 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 coming and it's going will be equal to you at a certain point. And and that's not to say that your nafs can't be corrupted. That's why I'm I, I I'm not going to quote Mufti, but I remember learning this in one of his sessions that it goes with the saying that your nafs must be pure in yeah, order for that to happen. Right. Yeah. So if you if you constantly pollute your nafs with you know terrible things yeah. then then obviously it's going to take you in the wrong direction yeah and, and also the whole thing of aesthetics and looking uh you know put together i i think it should be put together in a very simple way right it shouldn't we shouldn't be getting to the point where and some of our traditional circles it's excessive in the ornamentation and the sort of 
dilettante type of approach to things like like wearing like four four scarves yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you 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 four scarves a special type of glasses a, a really unique weirdo where's waldo cap type of thing and then uh you know beads that are very fragile <laughs> I've seen the wear right and i like things to be a bit more spartan than that yeah. like i like the thing to be you know uh if you're gonna wear all right wear a jacket like less stuff but nice mm-hmm. but, and durable too durable yes, yes. not i don't like a, a, the look of anything that is fragile you know what like clothes could be so fragile like i have that one moroccan thobe that i wore on aid i only wear it to Eid. as soon as i get home i take it off right away it's so nice that it's so fragile it yeah. actually says to me it ref, it says it's like it's sort of like an expression of the peak of society that has produced the finest ornate things but they are so fragile that at the end of society, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at their end. So this is like at, uh, a few weeks ago at the the mini mullet after the the class at the masjid. We were talking about uh, Thursday. Thursday, yeah, yeah. And remember, I was saying I have one that I've had sixteen years, fifteen yeah. years. I paid four dollars for it. Yeah, wow. I think three fifty actually. Like, but it's durable. But it's durable. I've had to restring it a couple times, but with the same string. Yeah. And I might have lost a, a one or two beads, but yeah. I, you know I replaced them with something. But it's the it's the one Mister that I use the most, yeah. and it's gone through thick and thin with me, traveled all over the world, and it's yeah. still and it's not expensive. It's the, good quality. The one thing that we shouldn't take upon is when we take on civilizations, you're going to take on a lot of their culture, but there are mega things in the culture that we should be aware of. So American culture went from like the 50s and 60s to uh, frugality, hard work, right, and pretty—I would say a middle, down the middle way of living. Though that actually produced such great success that the kids, that next generation, came up and frugality and hard work and those virtues and saving is gone, extinct, and then became more of show. Mm-hmm. It became excess and showing, and and it became instead of. Uh, hard work and frugality it became almost like uh, reaching heights that your parents could have never imagined but those heights are not good for you you're reaching heights and all there is to do is excess and then it became more of making everyone in the world know and see how awesome you are and one of the things about that on a societal level is that when that starts happening people that are smarter than the rest of us know how to capitalize on that yeah right so what happens is that consumer goods, including homes exactly, yeah. and car, and the prices go up because they're like, we're no longer dealing with the people who are proud of how much they were able to save. Yeah. And that that's the, the point of pride. They're, pride. they're proud of how much they have that they can show off. Yeah. So let's give them more and more extravagant and more unnecessary. Like every single house, and we're all guilty, every single house now has marble or granite yeah. counters in their kitchen. You cook on that. Yeah. This is yeah. not... You cook on it. <laughs> How many of them have like wood, right? <laughs> or, or just like something simple where you can, you know, if it gets damaged, you can. Yep. You're spending the most expensive stone you can yeah. find to like throw food on and yeah, chop yeah. it with a knife and spill things and put hot pots yeah. on. It, but we're all we all do it because yeah. it's the standard now. It's become a standard. And so, and the people who remodel homes and who sell homes, it just if you don't that. have that, you can't you can't sell your house. So you got to upgrade. Yeah, and I actually. 
I wish that the tr- the the crowd that we deal with all the time, which are good people, and then and and we're there upon what we believe is true, right? Yeah. Or what is true, I should say. Uh, whether we believed it or not, it's true. The four methods and tasawwuf, right? There's a little bit of a too soft, you know, look to them. Like, like you're just a pushover. You look like a pushover. You're quoting poems, right? <laughs> and I'm not even saying like Arab poems, right? Like where it's like part of the deen, or in a sense, it's no, part no. of the the religious literature. Yeah, yeah. I'm HP, saying like H.P. Lovecraft. Who? <laughs> the devil worshiper. Yeah. <laughs> like you cite, like you, like you, you cite, you know, uh, these these delicate lines they, of poetry. They quote Rumi as if he's talking to a woman. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. It's like that. De- it's, it's too delicate. This is not the time for delicacy, no. right? This is the time for uh, being a little bit more hearty, right? And longer lasting and simple, right? Don't we get f- too flowery in our dean mm-hmm. and too? It's we're absorbing a little bit of that West Coast to East Coast culture, that's a, of dilettantes. It's that West Coast stuff. Shit. It's I think it's mainly West Coast. I don't want to throw them under the bus, so I included us just so <laughs> to be fair about. I it. mean, Allah, but, Allah has blessed that area by sending them Imam Zaid and Sheikh Abdullah. Yeah, from from the East Coast. From the East Coast because <laughs> they needed it. Out. They needed it. That's true. Uh, uh, so they were, it reminds me of Andalusia, like Andalusia. Mm-hmm. All where's all the greatest Islamic art from? Andalusia. Andalusia. What era was it produced in? At the end. Yeah. It was not produced in the beginning. You go to. It's not like uh, the Sahabi. I mean, the Tabi. Uh, was his name? Uh, the first Tabi to go across. I can't remember his name. He was uh, related to Amr ibn As family. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Subhanallah. In any event, he he's the I one who goes to conquer into to Andalusia, and then Tariq ibn Ziyad after him. Yeah. Right. They, it's not like they went in. And there was this beautiful Andalusian architecture. No, <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like Morocco had this beautiful ornate blue tiles when uh, Muri Idris went and his son yeah. established the city of Fez. It was a pretty... No, the bad, Amazigh people are very like... It, yeah, it was... Bedouins. Uh, Bedouin type of thing. Later at the end, when all the wealth and the excess ruined the Andalusians, that's when... They were hired to to build all these things, and they came up with all these uh, gorgeous designs at the end of their history. Same with the Ottomans. I mean, yeah. Same with then the, all that stuff cultures. spilled down to Morocco after 1492 and before 1492 a little bit too. Yeah. So we have to actually think of that. What we considered the beauty and the symbol of was actually symbol of the downfall, right? The, the decadence. Yeah. The decadence, and in fact, uh, and it's not to say that go and take the coasters out of your house and throw them out that have those ornate styles. It's not what we're saying, right? <laughs> right? Alex is taking the coaster right now. <laughs> right? You have you have a tur- a Turkish style one. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess this is Turkish as well. Yeah, these beautiful Turkish uh, style stuff that you think that the original Ottoman conquerors, you know, were 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 making flowers. <laughs> We're drawing flowers. <laughs> They're conquerors. They were they were wielding swords. They were you know yeah. probably getting strong and, and yeah. learning. I think we're in that period. We're not in the period of a fl- fluffy duffy stuff, right? Like what I try to make MBIC look like is the, em- the emphasis is on the lighting, mm-hmm. like the spirituality is in the lighting, yeah, and that the color scheme matches. And it's a big open space, which is beautiful. Yeah, and other than that, I don't want florals. I don't want little thingies, right? I just want it. A simple space. Every item in it is nice. It's like decent. It's not cheap plastic junk. No. And no plastic at all in the building <laughs> is allowed. Right? And matching has to you have to match. 
Because it does, the eye bothers you with the eye matches. I, 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 was, I was at a message. I don't even want to say it. So it had this kind of the, the, the tile, the, the traditional uh, Turkish colors. It's like a deep red, a yeah. cerulean, and like a, a, a medium blue and yeah. white. It was like beautiful tile work. On the wall? On the walls, oh. right? And then the, the carpeting was green. Oh, oh. My, oh my goodness. Why? It drives me insane. How about this? How about <laughs> there is a masjid. I'm not going to name names. You, you come from the outside. They have the dome Indian style. The minaret, and I'm telling you because I took the class, uh, a couple classes in Islamic art and architecture. The dome Indian style, onion shaped dome. Yeah. The minaret, Mamluk style. I don't know where they got it. <laughs> in the in inside, the floor Andalusian style, tiles. Wow. You go inside now, five different shades of blue or green. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you tr- you tried. But without knowledge, right? If this, if you, if you transform that art into a fatwa, it would be a disaster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, yeah, if if you if you combine that into a fiqh, it would be a, a complete talfiqi disaster. Yeah. If it was a meal, it would be like lobster with hamburger roll or with a hamburger bun, right? And a side of of, of olives. That's, Total confusion. That's people up up in uh, New England. Yeah, they do lobster rolls. <laughs> yeah, lobster with, rolls. It's it's a it's a it's hot a, dog bun. Yeah. With lobster, with lobster and mayonnaise. It. <laughs> but it's like cereal with olives. It's so mm. off. Anyway, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, if you have any sense of Islamic history and where these different designs come from, yeah. that's why you're better off being uneducated mm. if you're going to interact with certain place. So I don't want to. I hate to sound like a dilettante, right? So, but I, I'm, that's what it is. In summary, yeah. Consumption, overconsumption, bad. Meeting the goals that you need to meet for your. For your particular for your particular situation, the size of your home, depending on your family, your career, etc. Not going overboard, not going overboard. Also, in 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 depriving yourself, and and spending less than you should for the basic things. Don't be don't be cheap with your family. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, you know, Allah Allah has given us limits that we can operate within. Yeah. And also find yourself a sheikh so that you can get some more details for your personal life. Yeah, because these things are the whole thing. No, he's one hundred percent right because these things are exactly changing from from decade to decade, not yeah. just time to time, decade to decade. These in our world, in the old world, it's century to century, but in our world, it's decade to decade. The norms are changing all the time. So, what is fine, what is good, and what is all right, it's going to be by comparison. Yeah. To the righteous, not to the wrong people, but to those who you would want to be like. So, all right. I think uh, we can wrap up. All right. Inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan, Mashud, for joining us. Uh, <laughs> of course. All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiru kuna tubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.